and you cannot tell me that you can make that. Actually, that I'm going to Seriously. That must help me. Um, all right. Let us pray together, and uh, then we will proceed with this evening. Father, we thank you for tonight. And I do want to thank you for the people that are in this room, for whatever confluence of circumstances, we're here. And we're here in your presence. And we're here because you promised where two or more gathered that your spirit would be in this place. And so, Father, you know where we've been. You know exactly the situations that we've walked out of and then into this room. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is your will that each one of us be here to hear from you. And in spite of myself and Julie, that you're going to speak to us tonight, that your word is going to impact us tonight so that our marriages can be stronger, that our life partner can be closer to us than ever before, that our marriage is going to be a stronghold. It is going to be a fortress against which the world is going to hurl everything it's got and this marriage is going to protect this family because that's your will. That's your desire. You want to see this family impact generations. So, Father, we give you these next few minutes. Teach us. Open up our minds. Open our ears. Open our hearts. And teach us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are back for a discussion on sex round two. If you missed last week, we are... Virgil, thank you so much for being willing to record a lot of these we're also uploading one of the sessions we did where we had um, a team of students who were learning how to run different media, and they came and ran some video for us, and that's going to be up as well on Vimeo yep. pretty quick. I was slouching. You were slouching a little. But, um, With my stomach pooched out. Got, that's okay. You look good. You look you. good, Myers. So we will, um, getting, <clears throat> we'll be getting those posted for y'all, and Virgil, if you can email me your audio files, that'd be great. I'm going to put everything on one page on my website, and I can send everybody that one link that has all the sessions that we have recorded so far so that y'all can have access to that. We wanted to dive in tonight on a couple of different topics, one being very, very practical. The first part's going to be real practical, and then we're also going to talk about the spiritual aspect of sex, and we want to make sure that we're both practical and spiritual when it comes to this topic because I think sometimes I see things veer too much one way or the other, and within Christian marriage, sex is to be both something that is a practical part of the relationship and it is also supposed to be something that's a spiritual part of the relationship. And we want to make sure that we really cover those two aspects of it in a way that's very balanced and very, very healthy. One of the first things that I was going to bring up tonight that is really interesting in our modern church culture that I find quite fascinating is that we can get really distracted about the sexual sin we, th we think we see in others while ignoring our own. Now, let me unpack that for you just a little bit. I, I spend a lot of time, particularly talking with a lot of women, about their marriages and what's going on sexually. It's something that comes up in almost every conversation I have with women about their marriages. And I'm always fascinated to encounter a wife who is saying, well, I've told him we can have sex once a month and that's it. I'm just done after that. And then somehow the conversation will go off into her friend who's been living with a guy for quite a while, or her neighbor who's gay and what she thinks about his particular lifestyle, and on and on and on. And she's unpacking the sexual sin of other people and doesn't see the sin in her own life when it comes to sex within her marriage. Now, where do I get validity for saying something like that? There's a great verse that I think we need to take a strong look at. It's the verse that's coming right now. There's this verse. There it is. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, 
and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is in 1 Corinthians. Now, this is one of those areas that can get really touchy and really sensitive because for any of us who are raising young kids and we're starting to walk through the dating years with them, what do we tell our kids? Look, if somebody, first of all, don't be messing around. Secondly, if somebody tells you no, then the answer is no, right? We're trying to equip people to respect other people's bodies, to respect their no. And so how do we dovetail this into a marriage relationship? Because clearly, you've talked with many couples, I've talked with people that one of the spouses is really inappropriate in a sense with the other spouse. They're very demanding or they're not respectful of the other person's body. And yet in healthy marriages, in healthy Christian marriages, this denying of one another is ungodly. It's sinful. It's not right. And I'm not just saying this, now girls, listen, let me tell you, when we go through the different questions that we've asked and the different feedback that we've had from y'all, as I told y'all last week, it's, I've got just as many women on those reports feeding back saying, my husband will not have sex with me, as I do guys saying, my wife will not have sex with me. So this is not something any longer that is something we can divide, you know, that's a guy issue or that's a girl issue, because it's just not. We're seeing this over and over. And if you're concerned about everybody else's sexual sin and your girlfriend who's been living with that guy and the neighbor down the street and you're not sure about his lifestyle, let's get the speck out of our own eye first and get really clear that when we walked into a Christian marriage, we said, my body is yours, your body is mine. Should there be respect? Should there be honor? Absolutely. I'm not talking about something that's abusive. But it's, you've given up Hopefully, delightfully, you've given up your right to your physicality, and so has your spouse in a, in a community of mutual respect. So let's make sure that we're, we've made sure we've cleaned our own house when it comes to sexual sin in that environment. I wanted to get real practical on just five real quick tools to put in the toolbox. You know, first, when we talk about being in a sexual relationship, one of the pieces of feedback we get so often is, well, we don't have time. Well, the kids are always around. Well, life's just really busy. Well, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be that important anymore. Look, you're going to have to be intentional, particularly if you've got a lot of small kids around the house, or you have a really busy lifestyle, or you have a spouse who travels quite a bit. You're going to have to be intentional. It may not sound real romantic or sexy, but you, know, you may have to put it on the calendar on occasion. That may have to be what happens. Why? Because this is an area that we see over and over that Satan loves to sneak in there. You can have a couple who's really been compatible and things have kind of just been moving along just fine. And all of a sudden they hit what they would call a dry spell. And you can see the enemy get in there and just make oatmeal of what had been a really beautiful relationship. Don't let that happen. Be intentional. Secondly, there's no need to hide from the kids what you're up to. We have eight kids. Eight Kids, if we were trying to hide what was going on in our marriage, we might as well live in separate apartments. I mean, there, there's no possible way in my house that could happen. So we've just embraced it. 
what Michael put on the door, do not come a-knocking, we're praying, then he'll cross that out and be a little more specific about what's going on on the sign on the door. Now, we did have to amend a bit because then the kids were posting it on Facebook. So we decided that that might be a little TMI for the broader Facebook population. But we don't, we don't hide from our kids. We're not, we're not flagrant. We're not in any way exhibitionist. But we're very, hey, guys, we're going to go have some time alone. Why do you think people do hide it? I think because they think it's couched in shame or they yes. think it's somehow it's wrong or that somehow our it's little dirty. darling shouldn't know. And all of this weird Puritan, when my <laughs> our first three or four kids, there was this movement back in the 90s when our kids, we were beginning to start having the talk with our kids. And there was this whole curriculum where every body part was, they wouldn't refer to the real body part, they would refer to a part of a flower. I thought it was the most inane. Really? Really. I thought it was just inane, and, and it's interesting because of that population of kids, Mike and I just wholesale refused to participate in that particular study. We were like, this is stupid. And the kids that I know that came out of that, it's interesting, I can't tell you the number of them who went into sexual immorality. And I think part of it was because they thought their parents were clueless. They thought, my parents don't even know the names of body parts. They, they're referring to it as a stem and a petal and a, you know, whatever. And they don't have a pollen problem. They don't, so. have, pol they don't have a pollen yeah. problem, no. Why would they the, exactly. call a horticulturist? Um, we have an opportunity in being appropriately expressive about our sexual relationship with our spouse to make our kids think that we are experts, truly. We've told our kids they can ask us anything. There is no shame. We will tell them anything, and believe me, they have asked any anything and everything, usually at the dinner table, um, yet they believe that we know what we're talking about. And that's so critical. And part of it, because you bring up such a good point, we try to hide it from the kids as though it's wrong, dirty, that it's wrong. And it's like, well, no, God, what, we want our children to know that sex in marriage is good, it's great, it's something that is desirable, that... Daddy chases mommy because he finds her sexually appealing and vice versa. We, that's a great thing to teach them. It's not a bad thing to teach. It's a great thing to teach them. And so you want, us, you want them to see that sexual activity between the husband and wife is a great thing. It's not something they're ashamed of. Uh, again, short of exhibitionism. Right. But it's, it's just a common, natural part of the family, mm -hmm. and they, it is critical for them to stay. I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but if, if they never see dad pursue mom, then they are left to think, well, I guess just the swimsuit models on television, those are the only sexually appealing women there are, mm -hmm. not moms. Mm -hmm. And we're giving our young men, anyway, a very skewed idea of what is erotic and what is sensual and what is sexually attractive. They need to understand and know your mom, I find your mom hot. Mm -hmm. And I've said before, you know, you slap her on the rear end while she's doing dishes, kiss her on the neck, and have Mine the kids squeal. Doing dishes. It's really hot when Mike does no, dishes. No. I'm just saying. Okay. Don't go crazy. Yeah. But you don't want, you, you want the kids to see that mm -hmm. and that you have fun together. And as opposed to, again, shoving it off to the side because it's dirty or wrong. 
And we have an interesting parenting lab in our house because our oldest child is almost 25, then the next one's almost 22, and then almost 19, and then 17, 14, 12, and then the eight-year-old twins. So we actually have that real-time experience of saying to the older ones, how did this work, or what did you think about that, or the way that we used to handle this or that or the other? And it's, it's interesting. I mean, there are times that the older ones will go, yeah, that whole thing that you did, that was bleh. You know, or they give us feedback on, you know, that time that you handled this this way, that was really impactful. All of our older kids, without fail, tell us that they are so glad that we were so upfront about our sexual relationship. And they laugh, they're like, yeah, we would do the whole, you know, thing, but we're so glad. Because when they see that it's great and wonderful, mm -hmm. they want that. Right. Not what they see in the movies. They want that, mm -hmm. and, and it becomes a very appealing, a very attractive thing, because we're, you're giving your children sex within a biblical context. Right. And so it, it loses its allure, you know, because again, we, when, when it comes to sin, we chase the buzz. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the wrongness of it that's what's so appealing. And when you take sex out of that, and it's just, no, it's a godly, it's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It's something you really ought to strive for. Then it loses right. the sinful buzz to it. You know, the, the morning after Mike and I got married, my mom showed up and went, I didn't tell you, you know, what you needed to know. And I was like, Mom, got it, but thanks. <laughs> you know, that window of opportunity that she would have been a confidant for me was completely closed. Don't do that to your kids. Don't do that to your kids. Let you be the one they want to go talk to about what they're curious about, and don't shame them. I mean, you're going to have to earn the Oscar on some of it. Believe me, we <laughs> had some really direct questions. I'm like, wow, you got some ideas ticking in there. <laughs> but just, okay. Third tool. Never let them see a sweat. Never let them see a sweat. When I was, um, when I was Minister of Youth at Hyde Park, and we would go do Camp Travis, where we'd have, you know, 600 kids out there, and we were recruiting Bible study leaders from all over, and, and one year we had this very young man uh, who was uh, pastoring one of the small mission churches and asked him to come out and lead a Bible study. And um, so he did, and he had been married for exactly one week when he was out there leading his Bible study. And he said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. Being camp director, I was naturally the one that he would come to. Expert. And so he came and he said, you know, I've just got, I've got a question. And he, you know, he said, before we got married, uh, now keep in mind, both he and his wife homeschooled, um, which is neither here nor there, but never seen an R-rated movie, had no sex education curriculum whatsoever, uh, probably the single most naive person that I saw that wasn't acting, that wasn't playing like they were this naive. He was actually this naive. And so he said, yeah, before we got married, everyone would come up to me and just say, hey, buddy, I just want to let you know just a little word of wisdom. K.Y. Lubricating Jelly. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, just take that as it be, but K.Y. Lubricating Jelly. And the wife said, you know, everyone kept coming up to me and going, you know, honey, and I just, you know, just two words, K.Y. Lubricating Jelly. That's all. That's what you need to know. And when she had the little um, lingerie shower, what, there's the bouquet of the condoms and the KY lubricating gel was on there. So on there, see, everyone thinks that I'm not telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. 
scout's honor? Yes. Okay. Good. Even though I am an ordained minister, I am telling the <laughs> truth. So he said, well, here we are. And so they prayed before they were to consummate the marriage. And they said, well, uh, they, all they said was, Lose, use KY lubricating jelly uh, liberally. And then he said, we used quite a bit. And, and we just kept, you know, sliding. And he said, just logistically, it, we just found it very difficult. And again, it's one of those, no, let them, you know, my, my bottom chin is just quivering and I'm just holding it together. And he said, and then it took, we had to use Tide to get it out of our hair. And that mother was probably proud. Very proud. Of how pure her son was mm -hmm. and her daughter. Mm -hmm. You didn't do him any favors. No. None at all. Uh, what could have been, should have been, can be this beautiful, yeah. not so much. No. And we forget, you know, I mean, I don't know where we came up with all this puritanical. The funny thing is the Victorians were actually pretty spicy. I don't know why we keep blaming the Victorians. Right. The Puritans were too. I, I don't know how we got to this place. But think about it. A hundred years ago, people were mainly raised on farms. They knew where baby goats came from. They knew where baby sheep came from. Back in the day, homes were one room. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe two rooms, maybe you've had a little loft. Do you, are you going to tell me that the eight-year-old slept through all that? There's no way. People knew what was going on. I don't know why we came to a place mm -hmm. in the last 50 to 75 years that we've so segmented this. It's just bizarre to me. People who will look at the Victoria's Secret model catalog or Sports Illustrated all day long but are offended by somebody breastfeeding. I'm like, what, what are we doing? This is so bizarre. Mm -hmm. Don't be that person to your kids. Number three, develop a touch-affectionate dynamic. Develop a touch-affectionate dynamic. You know, if you really want to make sure that sex has the right place in your marriage, be physically in touch with one another even when it's not sex. Yes, in front of your friends. I I'm floored when people see Mike and I hold hands and they're like, well, you guys have been married for 26 years. I'm like, well, is there a expiration date on the carton? I don't, what, like, I don't know, like after you're 15, you don't hold hands anymore? You've got to be affectionate with one another. And this, again, is not a guy-girl thing. I, I, you know, so I think sometimes we go, well, you know, girls just seem to need more affection. Many men list as their top love language physical touch, and they're not talking just about sex. Put your arms around each other. Hold hands. Play with each other's hair. You know, like, don't just only let it be for sex, because all of that actually is sexual behavior. It's one of the things that we've taught our kids that sex is not just penetration. There's a whole orchestra of things that should be taking place. It helps in the conversations with our kids about how to be sexually pure because we can back up and say, look, this is sensual sexual behavior. All of these little stop gaps up into the place that you're in bed with someone. Make wise choices about all of that sexual behavior. It's all sexual behavior. I went to a Christian university. You cannot imagine you cannot imagine the grammatical hoops that people were willing to jump through to say, I'm still a virgin, <laughs> done all kinds of amazing stuff up to this one. I mean, these strange turns of phrases to try to justify what had been sensual and sexual behavior up to this one little technicality. Virgin. Really? Did I tell you about the kid in the condom? No. Great story about a kid in a, a, kid in a condom a kid walking into a bar. Yeah. 
Um, he was in my office and he said, uh, okay, okay, fine. I had sex with my girlfriend, but I wore a condom, so I didn't therefore. technically touch her. <laughs> he said that. So therefore, I didn't technically touch her. Like he had found the universal get out of jail free card. <laughs> and nobody ever thought of it. Seriously. They've been practicing that at Christian going, oh, University for years. my yeah. Lord, let me write that down. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah. that very thing, yeah, yeah. you know, what can we, how close to the line can we, we get? get? So just jettison that philosophy. To have sensual behavior with someone is sexual behavior. Embrace that and make it part of your dynamic. Determine your best practices and then implement them. I will encounter couples where, particularly with the wife, but that's because I am a women's pastor, so I spend more time with women talking about this topic. Well, you know, I wish I was in the mood, but I really need a hot bubble bath, and I need to know that the dishwasher's running with clean dishes, and it really needs to be before 9.45. I'm like, so do that. Implement your best practices. Do it. Don't use those best practices as, as an excuse to not be intimate with your partner. That's fine if you have a series of things that help you get more in the mood, help you wind down from the day. That's great. Go do them and then go do it. Don't use your best practices as an excuse. Also, why is vacation sex so fantastic? Because there's nothing going on. There's, there's no stress. There is no dishes. There are no children. There are no, it's just, it's just, this, it's a sexual utopia. <laughs> But the thought is, okay, boy, the sex was great on that vacation. Um, you know, next summer, we're really going to have great sex again. <laughs> uh, as soon as we had just this perfect, the stars are aligned and there's no, at some point we got to say, okay, how do we make this work in the real world? Get because comfortable God's put on us the floor the of your world. master bedroom closet. That is the Done. best advice that I have. Exactly. You've got a lock on the bedroom, the master closet. Why not? I mean, like, just, you got to be MacGyver sometimes. Embrace being MacGyver. But best practices, fantastic. Then utilize best practices when you can. And no excuses. I cannot tell you the number of people that we encounter all the time who say, yeah, I do think sex is important in a marriage. I don't think I should be refusing my partner. I do think it's something that we should put an emphasis on. But, and then comes the litany of reasons why this thing that is critical, this thing that we're told in Scripture is supposed to be a healthy fun, engaged part of our relationships. Here comes the litany of why not. So I'm in that place where I'm like, then get the help you need. If, if there is an abuse cycle or there was a challenge in your family of origin that you, you grew up with a twisted idea of what it was supposed to be, or if there's a porn addiction, or if there's a former marriage or sexual relationship that really had you hamstrung, go get the help you need to sort through that. Go get the help. Have the conversation well, my spouse kind of does this thing that's just kind of hard for me to get past. And then in a respectful, loving way, have the conversation and move past it. Get to the gym if you need to. I'll have people say to me, well, I'm just really self-conscious about my body. Then do something about it. That's one of the amazing things about the human body is that we have a phenomenal capacity to shape and change our physiology. If you're self-conscious about it, then go do something about it. Don't just stay in a place of excuse. Sort through the baggage, but don't let Satan win the battle on this. Whatever it is that seems to be hamstringing you, if you're in that place where you feel hamstrung in this area of your marriage, then go get the help you need and then clear the hurdle. 
Because the other thing that we encounter a lot is somebody saying, well, I went to counseling and, and I did this and I got in better shape. But at the core, at the very end, really what it's about is they just have this fear of intimacy with their spouse and they just don't really want to have anything to do with it. Get past that because it will leave a huge target on your marriage if you do not. Real quickly, uh, the spiritual significance of sex. Um, this is an aspect that we really do not necessarily discuss a lot. And yet, uh, our sexuality is at the core of our marriage relationship. A lot of times we don't want to think about that, we don't want to talk about that, because we don't, especially guys, because, oh my Lord, that's all they talk about. Uh, can you ever talk about anything else? It's always got to end up there, doesn't it? But the truth is, sex is at the core of our marriage. Um, Genesis 2. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ooh, can I get an amen? Amen. So... This is why a man leaves his mother and father and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So, the reason we leave mother and father is to become one flesh. Well, Jimmy, there's a lot more to that than having sexual intercourse. There is uniting spiritually and emotionally and psychologically and uh, relationally and leisurely and there's all sorts of, sex is just one of them. Yes and no. Yes, when we come together as one, that is multifaceted. However, the sexual relationship is primary in that becoming one. And here's why I think so. Corinthians. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it's said the two will become one flesh. When he's talking about this is why you leave your father and mother to become one flesh, that's what they're talking about. The thing that makes us husband and wife, the thing that is at the core of this God-united relationship is our sexual relationship. And see, I can already feel that some of you are uncomfortable by me saying that. You're putting way too much emphasis on this. But the deal is, is you can be united spiritually and emotionally and psychologically with your mother, with your brother, with your business partner. You can be united in all sorts of aspects with the dearest, best friend that you have with your spiritual mentor. But we're not having sex with them. That's why you don't call them husband and wife. That's it. That's the distinguishing characteristic of a married couple, is the sexual relationship, which is why it is so important. Some people, because of physiological things or psychological things, can't have sex. Well, there's some people that are in auto accidents and they can't walk. I mean, yes, that happens, and it's sad, and, and you know, it, it, it can impact that marriage. However, 
For the other 99.99% of us in Christian marriages, we can. And for whatever reason, well, we know why. Because it's, it is the largest target. It's the easiest thing for Satan to grab and manipulate and use against us individually and as a couple, therefore as a family. And since it's as a family, how he attacks the church. So we've, we've got to understand that it is not simply an activity that married couples do on occasion. Uh, it is, quite literally, the tie that binds. Not in that way. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sex is the tie that binds. It's the thing that unites us as a couple. Now, really quickly, because we got to get you your questions. But here are, how many of these are there? There's six of these. How sex binds us together as a couple? Well, it binds us together emotionally. Because when sex is what it is, and again, I don't mean that it's like Bagram yoga, you know, or kickboxing. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. It's not just a physical activity. It's more than that. It unites, but when we have a world's pornographic view of sex, absolutely that's what it is. It's just physical. That's all it is. It's just why you can have a, a guy in not long ago. Uh, his brother set the mark, and his job when he was in high school was he had to have more than 500 sex partners because that's what his brother achieved. Well, when you do that, you are living a, a morally, emotionally, spiritually vacuous life. But you may, you may just say, well, man, I mean, you know, like, like porn stars, boy, they, look at that. They can just, they're just amazing in having sex. Actually, they're not. Actually, they're not at all. Not the way that God intended for sex to be because he, God intended for us to, to connect emotionally. Which is why can't do that with a prostitute. God intended for us to be one flesh, not 125 bucks and 30 minutes at the Motel 6. He intended for us to connect emotionally where I open up my heart. There is no other human experience that better portrays the emotional vulnerability of two people that love each other like the act of sex. So it binds us emotionally. Secondly, it binds us faithfully. There's an exclusionary aspect to our sex. We don't have, a, a, when I was looking at that um, TED Talks with mm -hmm. Wiener. Michelle. Yeah. Um, I, you, on, the, on the YouTube where you pulled up the TED Talk, there was another one down, and I clicked on that one, and this was another TED Talk where she was saying that um, an open marriage is absolutely how we save the institution of marriage. Hmm. Is by having, developing, and promoting an open... Because everyone has affairs. And so you just need to weave it into the fabric of your relationship. So it's not wrong anymore. It's just part of who you are and, and how you operate. One of the things that makes that... Why sex binds us is we don't have sex with anybody else. And there are some of you in this room that could say, no show of hands, please, 
that I've never had sex with anyone on this planet other than my spouse. Some of you in here can say that. Do you know how bizarre that is in our current culture? But that's how it binds us because there is no one else on earth that share what Beth and I share. Nobody, nobody shares what we share. It binds us together in the faithfulness of the union. It binds us together physically. Kind of goes without saying. Uh, but again, when this is saved for the exclusivity of marriage, that is a physical activity that really almost kind of completes you in sort of a Tom Cruise sort of way. It completes you sort of physically as a human being in a way. Because when you're growing up a child and you move through adolescence and you go through puberty, well, yeah, you're growing up, but one of the main aspects of puberty, you know, when, when someone said, Mr. Testosterone, go, <laughs> is the maturing of the sexual organs. And, and all. it's to prepare you to perpetuate your genes. It prepares you to have sex. So really, having sex is this fulfillment as, as a person. You know, you're kind of, back in the old days, when you could have a child, you were just considered an adult. Go forage and make babies. Uh, it wasn't, you know, the average age today is 30. You know, that wasn't the case back then. So it binds us together physically in a unique physical arrangement that we share exclusively, and it completes us as human beings as, as a couple. Uh, it, it binds us relationally. Because we're able to connect and share with another person, unlike no other. When so many people will tell me, we have sex, and then when we're laying there, if he doesn't go to sleep, we have the best conversation. Why do you think that is? Just because if the walls aren't down by then, then that was probably a really crappy experience that you just had. But if the walls had come down and there was intimacy and there was that kind of sharing and openness, then the conversation just, just flows out. You have the best conversation because it, it connects us in a way that, again, we don't connect with anybody else. And it binds us spiritually. If you have ever, some of you will understand what I say, when I say that sex with your wife is a spiritual experience, some of you will go, I know exactly what he's saying. There's a spiritual connection that happens when we completely reject the world's concept of this pornographic view of sex being dirty and porn-like. And we accept the Song of Solomon version, how God intended for this whole thing to happen then it's this spiritual, beautiful, kind. It's, 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 it's like your spirits touch each other, your spirits touch God, and it's just this beautiful thing. And you have that kind of intimacy. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And the closest other feeling to that feeling, that of that kind of close to God kind of sharing with your spouse it's when you're praying with your spouse and you feel that 
that overpowering connection. The only other time you feel that is sort of after sex with your wife. The spiritual intimacy and the sexual intimacy are just so close to each other. We would, you know, I may have told you all this, but as a youth minister, I always told boyfriends and girlfriends in youth group, do not pray together. <laughs> because I don't want you that intimate with each other. Uh, because so often, because spiritual intimacy is very close to sexual intimacy, uh, you just didn't want them going down that road. So it binds us together spiritually. And then lastly, it binds us in love. Because our sex, the way God intended for our sex to be within a, within a marriage relationship that honors God, that it is a physical manifestation of what's happening inside of us. I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to show you how much I love you. And sex is just part of that. It's not foreplay. It's not, okay, i got to check this box, this box, this box, this box, and then we head for home. It's not foreplay. It is just, how else am I going to let out everything that's inside of me for how much I love you? It's just this natural, physical expression of your love for your spouse. So to recap, sex in our marriage binds us emotionally and faithfully and physically and relationally and spiritually and with love. What does that sound like, that we're all bound together through emotions and faith and relationship and love and our spirits? It sounds like the body of Christ. Does it not? That's what this is in sort of a corporate way. Which is why, again, if you look in Ephesians 5, Paul said this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Even Paul said the sex that you have with your wife, that's Christ and the church. It's the furthest thing from dirty. It's the furthest thing from porn. Your sexual relationship with your spouse is a perfect mirror of Christ's relationship with the church. Come on. I mean, that's just silly. That makes the sex within our relationship not just a pain in the neck that it is to so many. It makes it sacred. And if sex is sacred, therefore, withholding sex or demanding sex is a sin. To your point. And I mean, just, just a quick aside. It is totally and completely unfair for one spouse to demand that the other only have sex on their timetable. To your point, I want to have sex once a month. Lump it. Live with it. That's all that's happening. It's, that is grossly unfair. And it's also grossly unfair to say, nope, three times a day. Just get over it. That's what's happening. That's also grossly unfair. 
and painful, but it's grossly unfair. So any time that we either withhold or demand sex because of what sex God intended for it to be in our, in our lives, it's a sin. Therefore, if it's sacred, then to use God's gift of sex as a weapon is a sin. I'm going to punish you by withholding. It's a sin. And if it's sacred, therefore, to make God's gift of sex something that is dirty is a sin. God's got to be going, I can't believe this. I was so proud of that. I mean, it just worked so well. And now it's become dirty? I can't believe that Satan has, again, as we've said, it's not a, you know, a red cape and a bifurcated tail, right? He's a pervert. That's what Satan does. And he took this beautiful, beautiful blessing from God and twisted it into most of us believing that it's something that is wrong, something to be hidden, something that's full, chock full of shame. And he's got us believing that. And by doing that, as you said, we leave ourselves wide open to the onslaught of the evil one. So, let's get to the questions. Questions. We had you all separate out last week because we thought it would be most appropriate for you to not discuss these questions with somebody else's spouse. So we would like to replicate that again this week. You have a couple of questions that I think can spur some great conversation. So if you guys will peel off, be couples off to the side. If you are here tonight by yourself, ponder what's 